Hey, just a heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is Suco, directed by Cheeto S. Ronio and written by Cheeto S. Ronio and Chris Martinez. Some relevant trigger warnings for this movie include jump scares, child abandonment, and suicide. And our hosts have ranked this movie as spooky? If you'd like to learn more about the movie discussed this evening, please visit our website, progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm, for show notes, relevant links, and transcripts of each episode. After the spooky music, we'll talk about the episode in full. So be forewarned, there will be spoilers. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're taking a look into the markets in which horror is huge, uh, but the films don't actually make it into the U.S., uh, we're talking about a movie here, which was at one point the highest grossing box office of any movie made in the Philippines, Sukob, also known as The Wedding Curse. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, they're here to invade your house and find queer content in all your favorite movies. My co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? I'm just going to show extended family this movie when they ask why me and my partner haven't had a wedding yet. <laughs> important and we picked her up at the spooky crossroads of anime and sexy monster media it's co-host and comic book artist emily martin how are you tonight emily doing good i think that the ghost girl in this movie should also fight sadako <laughs> there's definitely a sadako influence yeah. there yeah. i'm not sure if she makes the initial roster for ghost girl smash bros but she's definitely a dlc character I would put her up there because her fucking potpourri, potpourri, sorry, a British, suddenly British, it's my whiteness, but again, the, stick. yeah, like she throws potpourri at you. She has like wind powers. Yeah. You can crawl out of anywhere, not just a TV. She's the ghost girl that haunts the pure one. <laughs> <laughs> and our special guest tonight, podcaster extraordinaire. With NRW Nerds Rule the World, it's Kuyu P. How are you today, sir? I am well. I'm honored and delighted to be joining you all. Thank you so much for this invite. Truly appreciate it. It's our pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. This is this. I can already feel this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love it. We, we've known each other for a while through comic stuff, and I've been looking for an excuse to get you on, and I was like, now I want to talk about some uh, some stuff that's outside of our usual same thriller movies, A24 stuff. So I was like, we're talking about it. But they're killing, killing it though right now. I got to say, I still yeah. got to catch AR. It just dropped, man. Now, before we get too into it, what do people think about this movie? Because I didn't super love it, but I don't want to be mean towards anything that people really <laughs> like. I liked it. I thought it was a cool, it felt like an extended episode of The X-Files for me without the FBI procedural thing. Um, yeah, it, I definitely agree with you. It feels like a Monster of the Week episode where Scully and Mulder just was like, ah, shit, we didn't get that file. Whoops. Hope that just sorted itself out. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like, a lot of... Uh, I want to got jammed in the printer. <laughs> yeah, it would not hold up to scrutiny. These murders, question mark, curse, <laughs> with no bodies. Like, yeah. Listen, you save so much money on special effects when the murder just makes the body disappear. I that is, that is, like as true. That's cost saving. 
And I don't know what this says about me. I'm not a psychologist and I'm bad at self-reflection. But I go into these horror movies with a certain level of bloodlust. Some real <laughs> Roman gladiator type, like, I need social sanctioned, like, gore and killing in my movie. So when the body just fucking disappears, I'm just feeling violence blue balled every kill. <laughs> Here you are saying that you're not into uh, self-reflection, but you're wearing a Sandman shirt. <laughs> it's true. So I might call a little bit of bullshit here, <laughs> but I understand like when you go into a horror movie and you're like, okay, it is a horror movie. Right. It has horror in the genre title. There is a metric quality of kills. And this is a movie whose most memorable kill is someone lights a candle. And that's the end. <laughs> I mean, now, I will. I will say the mom getting hit by a uh, truck. Yes, 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 yes. And that's I knew it was coming too. I was like that. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. she. The first one stops and looks for the car. The second one doesn't look for the car and makes it across. And then I was like, I thought she was going to get hit by a car. And then like the mom or the aunt or whoever she is coming along behind just walks right into the road and boom. I was like, oh my god, got her. My yeah. favorite moments. In the whole movie, are that it's the best directed scene. It's like, oh shit, there was some creative camera work and like right back up, joke. fucking nailed it. They did do that. Let's talk about what the what the movie is about, directed yes. and everything here, so we can get into that because I, I do want to talk about that. So this is directed by Cheeto S. Rono. Uh, it is also co-written by Cheeto S. Rono and Chris Martinez. It stars uh, Chris Kino and Claudine Barreto. And IMDb did not have a synopsis for this movie. They were just like. Oh, we don't know. It played in eight theaters in the U.S. total. That was as far as it got here. Whereas taking it from Wikipedia, Sukub, which is, is literally the, the wedding curse, is uh, a 2006 Filipino horror movie directed by Chido S. Rono. It's, it's considered to be the highest grossing Filipino film of all time at the time it was made in wow. 2006, earning $203 million. And until 2009, it, it was the highest grossing. It was surpassed at that point by You Changed My Life. The film's premise is based on a Filipino superstition in which one cannot get married within the same year as an immediate relative dies or marries, which is a bombshell they drop later in the movie, that or marries part, because it's or dies for most of the movie. And they're like, actually, I was like, one more thing. Which really made me worried. Like, I'm like, is this a superstition? And it's very firm. Like, nope, these are the rules. Or they just make up for this movie. And for all we know, there's a whole bunch of other shit. This seems a thing like people are really concerned about. Like, how often is this happening? Because it seems like like one out of every eight marriages is cursed in this movie. <laughs> just based on how easy it, it seems to be to have like a family-wide death curse put on your wedding. I don't I know why anyone does it. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine a practical reason for this, for like a story about a curse. Now, I know nothing, uh, close to nothing about traditions in the Philippines, stuff like that. I'm just looking at it from a economical viewpoint, thinking like, yeah, it is bad luck to have a funeral and a wedding or like two weddings in the same family in the same year, because that's a shit ton of money. Or three weddings and a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or four weddings. Oh, so I should say going into this listeners i don't know anything about the mythology and culture of the philippines i am wildly unqualified to speak on this podcast i'm co-hosting but let's dive through it anyway I've, well it's going to be a learning experience for all of us i think yeah, i think i mean none of us had seen this movie 
but when we were lo- when I was looking for stuff from the area to do, I think I felt like a horror movie that was the highest grossing movie in the nation for three years is like that's worth checking out, right? Yeah. Kuya, what did uh, what did you think of this? What struck you about so, this? So okay, man, as, as the resident Phil am here to give that perspective, <laughs> since I'm yeah. of Filipino heritage, I was just super excited and, and delighted because. I grew up in the U.S., so I know American films and, you know, it's very difficult to get that product from the Philippines to over here. So it was few and far between. So I didn't get to be familiar with things like this. So super delighted and honored to, again, to be with you guys and share this. Uh, As we spoke on earlier, we see a lot of Japanese product, Chinese products of horror films, which they rule Korean product and they rule. Right. So tell me my people rule like I'm ready for like that aspect of my country to excite me. So I was like, okay. And then Jeremy's like, it's the top selling, you know, or, you know, made the most money. And I was like, all right, turned it on. Well, I bought it on Amazon Prime or whatever. So it was on Amazon Prime. I bought it, ready, got my popcorn ready. I'm like, is this a TV movie? Well, first I saw ABS-CBN, which is the big network in the Philippines. I was like, okay, that's weird. But all right, you know, maybe they're they're helping fund this. But it then felt like this is one long ass TV movie. And it reminded me of some of the movies my mom had me sit through as a kid or or TV shows that she would get from the Philippines. And I'm like, what is this? And uh, it then became very meme worthy. And like, you know, like how a lot of people take clips from stuff from overseas. I'm like, okay, like we said earlier with the bell, what happened at the bell ringer and him trying to shut that down. And then the the jump scare that happened there. I was like, okay, I think I'm going to get my laugh on more so than anything. And uh, it was a fun experience. It was interesting uh, in my culture and in, in growing up, I remember hearing a lot of these wild, weird superstitions. So it's very prevalent. But I think well, all cultures have various superstitions. I, I think w- with us, you know, being very Catholic, you know, there's like religious overtones in a lot of those superstitions. And just, you know what, I heard it, but growing up, you know, I'm, I'm an American kid growing up here, like, Heard it, forgot it, and it didn't stick with me. So to see it in display here just kind of reminded me all of that. And actually, it, of one po- big positive thing to this, it's got me intrigued as a creator and as a writer. Like, you know what? I think I want to dive into this material now, find out more about these superstitions. So I definitely a positive after watching this, but didn't hate the movie, but I didn't love it. It was just very interesting to see. And it actually has me now wanting to dive and find out, find other projects that the Philippines is doing as a whole. And uh, so I'm very thankful for you guys uh, giving me this opportunity to check this out with you and, and talk about it. Cause this was a wild, weird one. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. And this movie had a lot of interesting, cool stuff. Like I love learning about the festival where everyone dresses as leaves and you got to give the leave people money. But yeah, this movie does really feel like a TV show. Like it feels like it was the directing really feels of kind of like that TV show quality. Yeah, that- I feel like the acting is really solid in this. Yeah, they were all right. Yeah. Yeah. Both, both main actresses are really good. The dad is a little, like some of the acting by the (laughs) the older actors is a little, it's very soap opery. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And when the mom is running out on the dad and the dad just like, you can't be mad at me. It was something I did in the past. (laughs) Like, (laughs) what's the statute of limitations on having a secret family? I think that that character, because he just was, like to me he was the filipino joe estevens like he just was a kind of like a b-movie looking guy with his like b-movie kind of performance i was like that's what solidified it as that like b-movie quality otherwise i think it's important to note 
also for the listeners, if you haven't seen this movie on Amazon Prime, which I don't know where else you can find it. It's only available um, in the U.S. on Amazon Prime and Apple TV, both of which you have to, to rent it. It's not streaming anywhere that uh, I was aware of here. Yeah. It's it, like but, less than 10 bucks if you do. So Yeah, oh, yeah it's it's like a $4 rental yeah. on, on Amazon, yeah. which we don't have to talk about Amazon or anything. But I will say this movie is worth watching. Skip to the end, I guess, there. But <laughs> do I recommend this movie? Yes, I'll say it again later. But the quality of the movie on where I watched on Amazon and it was cropped like it was for television and it was definitely video quality, like even down to some of the frame, like static, you know, the VHS quality. So it was definitely like a VHS rip of this movie, perhaps even edited. The person with Apple says it's a restoration. Hmm. Okay. The, the, what the story there is. Yeah, I mean, it came out in 2006. It's clearly filmed on film. It's not like uh, yeah, looking at it, it's like, oh, yeah, this is not digital at all. Uh, it's a little bit more recent, though, which is like why it looks yeah. so grainy to your point. Uh, yeah. I feel like this movie does have some pacing problems. Like it's an hour 40. I feel like it easily could have been like an hour 30, hour 35. And there's a lot of scenes where, you know, you see it all the time in Amer- American and British movies and television shows where the phone call, they'll skip the high and the bye and just like do it. And that like they'll say what they need to say and then hang up. This movie made me realize why they did that. Because the phone calls in this movie were like, oh, who is it? Oh, hello there. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thing we actually need to say for exposition in the movie. Okay. Take care now. Click. I'm like, that was so much longer than it needed to be. <laughs> there were some interesting choices in terms of introduction of a, of a sequence or a scene or the movie itself and the amount of time spent. And then like some very abrupt edits, like I had to catch up with what was going on with the uh, with couple number two for a second there because I was like, wait, yeah, Mary. no, mm. yes, no, it's different people. Okay. Yeah, I, I was really having trouble with that early on because I was like, okay, oh, I'm glad not the other one. Oh, it's a wedding. Oh, wait, that was a different wedding? Wait, we're, <laughs> this other yeah. wedding hasn't happened yet. Okay, was it, oh, wait, was that like a, was that foresight? Oh, no, it was, a, it was different people having a different wedding somewhere else. Okay. Yeah, and it's yeah. not Helen because, yeah. well, we'll get there. But I think that in terms of the quality, the movie, I think, could be if we have a restoration of it if we have like a full film ratio version of the movie it's probably going to come off a little bit different however the video quality did serve the special effects well because the special effects to me looked awesome like it was not super high budget but there were certain things that they did and like the creatures and everything mm-hmm. looked really solid you know it, it, i appreciated that and, yeah. you know, I don't think it would have looked that much worse, but at the same time, like the vagueness of some, some of these details was, um, the, the mixture of practical effects and then camera work. So yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Cause they, they do that whole pull out and zoom in bit on the, the little girl, just like in jaws, like, you know, yeah. where they, they do that same thing on the beach and it's just like watching it. It's like, ah, oh, man, that, that effect never gets old. <laughs> like, yeah, it looks yeah. great. I'd say really at its core, there's something there. Like I would love to maybe just see it redone. Yeah. yeah. It, it feels it, like an early Bloomhouse movie to me. Like, yeah. Where they're like, hey, solid but, core concept. Yeah. Not the best execution, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I 
wish Diana and Sandy had met up earlier in the movie. I don't know. I kind of be cool. Yeah. I wish the sisterly relationship between them got a little more time to develop. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was the most interesting character stuff in the movie, I think, is the stuff between them. We don't get there until it's almost the end of the movie. Because that's when the movie really starts delving deeper into the characters by having them there to contrast their different upbringings. And it's where we honestly actually start to get some real examination of class and stuff in the movie and, and how that affected each of their lives. For sure. And those two actresses are are easily... Like talent wise at the the top of you know the folks that are in this movie. The the acting isn't especially bad, but you know, like we said, a lot of the older soap actors. Soap opera stuff. Yeah, it feels it was very soap opera to that point earlier. Yeah. But I'm yeah. I'm curious, what, what did you guys think? What were you predicting until we got to the final end and in the final reveal that of what the curse was was exactly about? Because I was well, kind of like brainstorming myself and just wasn't sure, like, hmm, where are they gonna take it? Did y'all have creative juices going? Yeah, there was a I had read something about it, but I wasn't sure what was for like what it was for sure. Like I remember something about like it's a wedding curse if you get married in the proximity of something happening, you know. And I also this being a, a horror film, and you know, if there would be some kind of twist, I was thinking maybe it was not constrained to those rules, right? Like this is the superstition, but really it's about this or something like that, you know. Yeah something that I was considering, but I didn't really know a lot about it before going into it. And I, I was trying to figure certain things out because there were elements there that would play in a Western film a little bit more about morality. Like, you know, the, were they living together before marriage? You know, mm. this is it because of the affair? I mean, indirectly, yes, but like it's not as directly as, uh, you know, another film would have possibly made it. Yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting the explanation to be you can't have two members of your family marry in one year because that's just too much good fortune and that overloads the fortune balance system and creates curse. But no, I think when I was searching for the movie, I read somewhere or some kind of description like, oh yeah, it's if siblings marry in the same year, a curse happens. So I think I went into it having that, like having already read that. So having that in my mind. So as soon as it was like two different couples with the curse, I'm like, ah, secret sisters, they're they're long lost siblings. That's what's going on. Gotcha. (laughs) It was funny to me because the, the way they set it up, like the one husband dies at the same time, the second couple's getting married. So I was like, oh, maybe it's that like he is her relative and because he died that's why they're getting this curse and it turned out to be oh no they they got him on the the second technicality on the you know (laughs) oh y'all are actually related and got married in the same year that's why somebody's dying i was like it's it's a real technicality based ghost this one because that's what i'm saying this demon (laughs) lawyers fucking got this shit locked down there's so many fucking technicalities and loopholes this demon lawyer, like, she's fucking going around. She's got a whole country and she's just snatching up weddings left and right. We see three weddings in this movie. All three of them are fucking cursed. Yeah. <laughs> we hear about three weddings. Yeah. A lot of bodies. Curse, curse, curse. I was waiting this- for them to discover the pile of bodies at the end because it's like, oh, they broke the yeah. curse. Now, 
all the bodies are going to show up. Just like, <laughs> this <laughs> demon lawyer potpourri girl is fucking cleaning up. <laughs> are those poor, poor detectives. Like, how often does this happen? Because, I mean, you think about it, like, yeah, ghost flower girl is out there making bodies disappear. And I maybe they have, like, maybe there should be, like, the X-Files, the Manila X-Files, where, like, they're like, okay, so, so there's obviously a curse situation because um, bodies keep disappearing. Which curse is this? Yeah, I don't know how many curses there are. The X-Files episode, because you get the amazing scene of David Duchovny doing an exposition dump about Filipino wedding superstitions. I, I, w- I mean, yes, that would be cool. And, and you'd be like, like why do you know so much about fucking Filipino weddings? Like, well, David Duchovny? And then he'd like, waggle his eyebrows or something, and then that's all the explanation we'd get. <laughs> I think. I've seen like three episodes of the X-Files. That's accurate. Okay, good. I mean, waggling eyebrows is a lot more emoting than David Duchovny usually does as Fox Mulder. <laughs> but yeah. what about that police work? No, like when they're just sitting there, oh, it's okay. Like you see all this other stuff that we, there's other problems. Power goes off. I'm like she's going to get killed in the, in the police station. Like <laughs> you can't even hide at the police station. Yeah, there's yeah. a horror movie police don't change in value from country to country. They're all just as bad no matter where you <laughs> Universal. go. I want to talk about like and get into talking about the actual like plot here because the first this first scene I had just turned the movie on like I hadn't thought about the the language thing and uh, this first scene starts off with like this whole them so I guess Sandy and Dale are both from the Philippines but they've been working overseas in Dubai and they're coming home you know for this wedding. Um, and we have this big, like family scene with Dale's family here. And, um, Alicia was not really paying attention to the movie at the beginning. She was like working on something else. And she was like, what language is this? And I was like, uh, I thought it was in Tagalog, but that sentence was in English and that sentence was in Spanish. And I was like, wow, I, I was not like, I've known plenty of like Filipino people, but I've never like just sat around in a, you know, Filipino household like this and like. The amount to which sentence to sentence, it would switch entirely from Tagalog to English to Spanish. I was like, wow, people I know don't even like have mastered one language. I can't imagine how, <laughs> how this works. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up seeing that and experiencing that. It's just, it, that's part of the culture. And because there's so many different dialects in the Philippines, mm-hmm. I, I can't even count how many different dialects. So for me as a kid growing up learning English, because that was my father is white and my mom is Filipina, that they were seeing me get confused because I was initially being taught Tagalog, but because that confusion was happening and then we'd go to these Filipino friends of my, my mom and that all be occurring. And she's like, uh, seeing me get confused. They, they put a stop on that and it was just straight English. But then I, I was confused going to these type of events because then I could understand some things, but then when they see or glance over, so this is kind of like trauma for me. Like I, I would remember that they would just stop and go to straight to Tagalog because they didn't want me to hear grown folks talk in uh, it's like ah okay <laughs> but uh no it's very much uh, a, a thing over there and i was here as well yeah i was noticing it especially with sandy chris Aquino's character because there's a couple of parts where like her entire dialect changes where she'll be they're speaking tagalog and there's one point where like dale is or somebody is leaving and she's closing the door and she's like 
speaking to Golic, and then she just says, okay, drive careful. I love you. Bye. And I was like, oh, okay, the way no, she said I... it changes. Yeah. The whole, the whole way she is talking, she just, and I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. So that's, that's completely unfamiliar to me. But so it took a second to like in that opening scene where the whole family is talking, it's hard to keep up with everybody too. Cause <laughs> it's like, all right, I understood yeah. that, but okay. No, they're, they're all going. It's this very <laughs> rapid shift between I need the subtitles. Oh, I don't need the subtitles for this. No, I need the subtitles now again. <laughs> I'm really glad that I just use subtitles all the time. And I'm also glad that the movie wasn't dubbed. Like I'm, I was concerned it was going to be dubbed and that was going to take me out of it. But yeah, I mean, I've been to two places where there's a, there's like a very fluid use of language. Like in South Africa, you know, you have English and Afrikaans and Sun and Ndebele and, and Zulu and like all these, and, and people will, go through these various languages and at a family gathering you have conversations in a combination of a lot of them but it was uh it's interesting i would say if as a listener activate subtitles yeah <laughs> absolutely it, it, it's funny y'all mentioned that because i was thinking oh when i heard them speak english i can turn off the subtitles and nope nope yeah i still don't, <laughs> I don't understand tagalog so like i gotta <laughs> yeah, because the yeah. end of the greeting, the highs and byes and stuff is all in English. So at the beginning there, you're like, oh, no, it's, it's in English. I got this. And then there'll be one sentence that you're like, I don't. What did they say? Hold on. I got to go back. Nope, that's not English. Wait, that's Spanish. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wikipedia listed the languages of the movie to be Filipino and English. And I was like, sure. huh, because I wasn't sure. Because I know about Tagalog and I didn't know about Filipino the language, which is a language that is uh, an official language of the Philippines that is Tagalog based. And that is what I learned from the internet. So there's, this is everything I know now. <laughs> and then under the Tagalog umbrella is a hundred and however many di uh, sub dialects. Yeah. I could see like eight, like a list of languages is like eight different languages at least. And I, you know, I'm like, okay, well I have to write up my thing. So I can't, go into a book report about the languages of the Philippines as much as that would be cool. Like I would like to know, but that's for a time when we're not talking about this particular horror movie. So we have, we have this opening sort of, uh, dinner scene where, you know, they're at Dale's house and then Sandy comes home to her house, uh, where it's just her mom and dad. We meet Tessie, Sandy's mom played by Boots Anson Roa. Um, who's a fucking champ. Yeah. yeah. She's champ. Woman's done taking shit from their dirtbag man. <laughs> we find out because she's hearing like weird sounds and everything from the house next door and she like looks through and the caretakers out there putting the place back together clearly the inside has been on fire sometime recently because it's like burnout it's revealed that their next door neighbor who she grew up with uh helen announced her engagement right after like three months after the death of her father even though she was asked to postpone it because of this old superstition that you can't have it within a year of, of an immediate family member's death I was glad to learn it was immediate family member because otherwise, like, you might be putting that off for forever. It's like, oh, your your great aunt died. Ah, oh, damn it. There's another year. All right. So Helen's whole family has died because of this curse. People that went to her wedding are still dying because of this curse. Nobody's body's been found. Apparently, her husband's entire plane crashed. So, like, it's really been it's really been bad. And meanwhile, in this small village, Bibiklat, Diana and brian are getting ready to get married and their marriage is interrupted by as we talked about the the bell ringer won't stop ringing the bell during their wedding and they send uh, an older boy up to, 
to check on what's going on and he finds the boilers the the bell ringer is dead already he's he didn't even make it through the whole ceremony you think honestly the bells had anything to do with it it's like do you think that this curse on this wedding killed the bell ringer or was the bell ringer killed by a completely unrelated curse that he had going on because curses really just seem to be flying left and right in this movie well the haunted potpourri was there <laughs> oh shit we had haunted yeah. potpourri yeah the haunted okay. potpourri was there that was always there no matter what and at first i was like okay well it's wendy and it's hard to tell that it's potpourri until you see like the girl like craning yeah. it up and Definitely set a record for biggest potpourri budget in a film. <laughs> I mean, I guess like it's also hard to see all of it because of the the pixels. But um, yeah, at least in the Amazon version. So this is where we we meet our, I guess, a villain. Uh, the ghost that's associated with this curse is a black faced little flower girl. So she's like veiled, and then her face is you know looks dead underneath. Um, yeah, not actual is, black face. No. And is not Helen, I no. think. She's horrible. Helen's a different ghost. Small. So, uh, you, what did you think of this this uh, ghost? You actually got me thinking, was that two different ghosts? Like the one that is haunting us late earlier on? Or was that, a, it looked like two different characters now that you have me thinking about it. It was like a little girl that pops her head down when the bell, the altar boy comes up, right? And was, I, I'm like thinking back. There were like two different characters. Yeah, because there's the little girl who's killing people. And then I think there's Helen who possesses Joy at one point, be like, hey, it ain't me. I've been trying to tell you, watch out for this other ghost. I am an unrelated ghost. Yeah. So yeah. to Ben's point earlier, then, you know, what's kicking this off? It's a whole nother curse, I guess, affected, which is, which took out the altar boy, right? Because that's a different scary character. What is, are the list of causes of death? Where does, where is curses? <laughs> is, is it like heart disease, gun violence? curses is that oh, that's the thing is curses can cause those things so like the, the curse is like a blanket term now some, well, some you know make your you body know. turn into a veil well i i hear they get <laughs> paid per curse death so they just inflate the numbers and they cause unrelated deaths yeah curse label yeah it's like lightning bill gates is trying to curse us mike with microchips <laughs> yeah and you know 5g Baby. Oh, that got real, real fucking stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, not even you, just me going on this. Yep. I'm going to turn curses into an anti vax joke. I mean, there's something there, I think. <laughs> but it's there a might be. I can, there might be. I can workshop it. Pulling it out of my ass live on the podcast was, a, was mixed <laughs> results, I think. We'll put that on the spaghetti wall. God, nothing, Alicia. Yeah. Alicia made me promise. To give her a good content. Here we are. What do we, how do we feel about this, this flower girl? I, I thought she was pretty creepy. I loved her. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I don't feel like. And the makeup like, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like I got enough like good looks at her. Like it was almost like too shadowy. Like I like the design, but I don't feel like the, the cinematography or the directing gave the design enough like room to shine. Or enough things to Fair. do. I don't know. Like, I like the design. I just, I don't know. The way, like, the Xenomorph, even still in Shadows, when it comes out, like, you can still, like, see it clearly and what's going on. Like, I don't know. I kept, like, I, I felt like I kept having to rewind. And again, and maybe that's because it's the restoration and what comes with that. Yeah. But I, 
I felt like to a degree it was like, oh, like this is too dark for me, the viewer, in a lot of instances. Yeah, I feel like I there think... was a certain emphasis on what cannot be seen. But then for that, there were a lot of like direct shots of this girl like climbing over windows and being in cars. Yeah, I, I like the design. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's directing or cinematography, but I feel like the design could have been utilized or taken a little more advantage of filming wise. I know that's a very vague note, but I totally get I it. part of it is they do some of the best, I want to say gags with her, but like that's sort of the what they are is up front here when like after the, so immediately after this having Sandy and Dale go ahead with their uh wedding and so the they all the other couple is already seeing this like ghost girl out there. Sandy and Dale get married immediately. Brian the the initial groom gets offed in an entirely different part of the Philippines, like while this wedding is going on, uh, this, this ghost is not wasting any time. Not very ghost related. He just falls off a roof. That's what I'm saying. He drives some tools, trips on them and falls off a roof. But uh-huh. he is, the ghost is also controlling the wind, I think is what, what ends up causing. A very, a very windy ghost. In terms of the ghost doing gags, I love the ghost fucking with this driver. Yeah. yeah, just hear it all different places. <laughs> yeah. This was delightful. I love this. Yeah, because this is this is the next scene. Is as they're leaving the wedding, there's these two like it says they're the, the sponsors of the wedding. And there's these two you know twenty something women and like uh, this driver who only appears for this scene. He just disappears from the movie after this. They literally disappear from the movie. He like looks in the back seat and he's like, "You guys have some kind of girl back there with you?" Like I didn't see a girl get in the car and they're like, "There's no girl back here." And he's like, "What?" what? What's going on? She's not there. And then he looks in the car in front of her and she's like in the next car looking back at him. She's like, shit, her shit. she's up there in that car, guys. And they look up there and they're like, what are you talking about? There's no girl there. And then she just like dives on the windshield and makes him crash the car. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which like, that's one of the best bits is like her jumping on the windshield. You know, just fucking with this driver. Cause most of them, she'll just sort of mysteriously walk up to somebody and replace them with a candle. Um, yeah you know, this this one is actually like a she's got a real poltergeist energy in this first one <laughs> yeah there's a few deaths that are pretty good there's the car crash there's the cinder blocks falling on the mom and then there's i feel like dale's is the most disappointing because everything leading up to you're replaced by a candle was the creepiest and best directed death scene in it like the when the window comes in and she's crawling through the window like yeah that's that's my favorite moment of the ghost girl. Like, I thought that was the coolest. Even if it, yes, it is. I'm like, okay, we get it. You saw the ring. But even though I did think that was creatively executed and well done and was the most we got of like, I felt like I was getting a good view of her being visible and creepy in a way that wasn't too overly exposed. And I don't know, that was where the horror was really clicking and it it almost made me go like ah and it's just like and now you're a candle well she did put a candle in his face yeah she's like it was like yeah i'm I'm like set him on fire set this man on fire look i know he's been a a okay guy i know there's no reason to set him on fire but it's a horror movie and we should probably set someone on fire if we're gonna be doing some candle shit yeah I mean, he did get out of the shower, like, right then. So, but maybe, you know, magic curses can make water fire. 
I, I gonna, do appreciate this. Cur- if, if this curse could be defeated by a shower, that'd be pretty great. Though, like the, the, <laughs> the wedding curse can't take, can't get you if you're wet. Just keep taking showers. <laughs> it's the wedding curse. One like, of my other bad bits with the ghost girl is right here when like so Diana's at the morgue with Brian's dead body, and Brian's whole family is about to show up, and like she sees the like <laughs> this is the one part where the the ghost seems very human because. She sees her like crawl in behind the the stone that he's laying on behind the big t- stone table that he's on, and like she's like, "What is what's moving back there?" And she, then she can't see the ghost, but then like the ghost just pops her hands up on the table and grabs her, and I was like, "Ah, whoa, got me!" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> got me on that one. And then the family shows up, and there's Brian's body. family sucks. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, I fucking hate Brian's family. Brian's mom. Oh, Brian's mom. The interesting thing here is that there's like both both Brian's family seem to be like a little at an economical advantage. And so does Dale's family, which is interesting because there's a, the scene at the beginning where Sandy's talking to Dale or yeah, Sandy's talking to Dale's mom. And she's like, I can't thank you without myself that you're doing. And Dale's mom is like, I forget it. Now, again, knowing what we later learn about Sandy and her parents, is that because they're poor or is it because her dad is a cheap piece of shit? Probably the things are related. I mean, yes. It might be a little column A, a little column B, but I'm like, I feel like this dad was, pro- I feel like this dad's probably not paying his fair share. Yeah. And definitely accuses the dad of being at the horse races more than once. Like, being at the <laughs> horse races when he was supposed to be there for their, like, for their party beforehand. This dad, like, Sandy's dad sucks. Yeah. The real villain of this movie isn't the ghost girl. Oh, Except, yes, it is. Oh, it's Sandy's dad. Yeah, I know. The ghost girl's doing her job. Yeah. My, I, my wife started watching it with me, like, towards the middle. And, like, the whole time, like, can, when is he going to bite it? Now, we have introduced, at this point, We've now seen a Joya who is who can see dead people. Yeah, who our girl Sandy has been seeing this flower girl. Joya's like, you can see the weird flower girl too, right? Like you, you can see it. There's there's something horrible going on here. And then like they go help this driver out of the van that he's crashed, and the two other bodies are gone, but there's a wedding veil left in their place, which is a very thematic ghost. Because every time that she uh pulls out a person that I guess she's killed. She leaves behind a piece of the wedding ceremony. So there's like, there's the um, veil and then the cords and then the candle. And then finally, I guess the coins is the last thing. But it's a good thing she stuff. doesn't curse Jewish weddings because otherwise she'd just leave behind a napkin full of broken glass. I mean, that's pretty dangerous. Right? Just like, like, aha, Jewish wedding jokes. I actually um, get that. Question. Yes. Does Julia die? Because she gets possessed by Helen, and then I'm, I don't recall if we see her. Oh, no, they drop, they drop Joy and her mom off at home. <laughs> yeah. Like, after Joya gets possessed, her mom, who has not been down with this the whole time, is like, okay, we're done now. Yeah, we're absolutely not down ever going again. back to the UAE, and we're not doing any more of this shit. Because Joya... Smart I, mom. Yeah, as uh, Sandy leaves for um, Bublikat, Joya's like, you meet that woman, you don't let her out of your sight. You're going to find your sister and you're going to keep an eye on her. Goodbye. They, they, 
decided to seek her out, even though the mom has explicitly been like, listen, leave my daughter alone. So they, they track her down at the bus station as they're like getting ready to leave on this bus and talk Joya into helping her. And Joya is finally like, mom, I, I have to help them. And yeah, so she, she decides to go with them. They're just still trying to figure out, they think they've been cursed by Helen, the friend who lived next door, who also died from the same thing. And they go to Helen's house and they have like several of them are keeping the caretaker busy, pretending that they maybe want to buy the place. Well, uh, they play Ghostbusters upstairs and Joya straight up gets possessed by Helen's ghost. Uh, and Helen's ghost is like, no, I didn't do that. You got the same shit going on. I did. I'm not having anything to do with this, but you got to figure this out or you won't be dead like me. And so it's revealed that this thing is that, uh, either a, a person in your family dies within the same year or two siblings have a wedding in the same year that you get cursed with this thing, which seems like a widespread of potential problems. Yeah. And yeah, this, this doesn't work because as far as we know, Sandy only has one brother and he's in America and he's not getting married. He does not appear in this film. Um, <laughs> they, they mentioned him. They mentioned that he's away in America and yeah. that is never touched back on again. But yeah, she's like, I don't, I don't have any siblings. What's going on? And her mom's like, alas, your father has lied to me. He has another daughter. And so now it's a, a, a time, a ticking time clock where everybody from the wedding is dying. All of their faces are showing up in the photos without heads. And she has to go find her sister and figure out how to fix this curse before they themselves are killed. Yeah. The, this demon lawyer with their ghost girl proxy do have specific rules. There are portents. In the cursed wedding photos, everybody has cursed wedding photos and all the people who are going to die have no head. Their head has disappeared. So just in the picture. not in Just in the photo, not in real life. The real life. I mean, back body. to the future. Yeah, I was going to say, like, why don't they just go back in time and then make sure that the dad doesn't, like, mess around? Yeah. Where's their DeLorean? <laughs> okay. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. For real. Like. Oh, man. You can't feed the flower girl after midnight. Yeah. You can't get her wet. Tell people. <laughs> Just say something. Yeah, also the dad's it, name is Fred. Uh, by the way, if you get a whole bunch of mini cupcakes instead of a cake, straight to curse. It's the curse. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's our curse. <laughs> I want to get the international curse. If you wear white to the wedding and you're not the bride, curse. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. We gave out tiramisu. Is that no cursed? Cursed. <laughs> yeah, we had cupcakes. Curse. We're cursed. You had cupcakes? Yeah. Oh my god, fucking how are you still how have you not been disappeared and replaced with a candle? I don't know. We're back in time. We went back in time and ate the cupcakes before they got to the wedding. Yeah. There um, you go. Uh off. how do you know I'm not cursed? Not all curses have to be death. Sometimes. Sometimes life is the curse is the friends we made along the way. Yeah, at some point yeah. in here, I think we missed the we might have missed the part where one of the women gets hit by a bus. Diana is is seeing her. Diana sees her her husband's ghost. Yeah, sees her husband's ghost walking around in the field, pissing off the chickens. Apparently, the chickens do not like ghosts, and so like follows him off through the woods and then across the street into some more woods. And her cousin follows her, and then I I think it's her aunt that is along behind her 
and uh, they find something written on a tree. And while she and her cousin are looking at this, the aunt comes clopping along behind them into the street and gets nailed by a truck. This is one of the the best orchestrated death scenes in the movie because she's just it's fantastic. She's just she walking across that street in the background. And then they jump out to go see if they've hit somebody and there's like blood splattered all front, all over the front of the truck, but no body. And so they're like, well, I guess we didn't hit anybody. We must be wrong. Man, take these quotes out of context. And I sound like a fucking monster. But this old lady getting fucking destroyed by this bus was a fantastic, <laughs> wonderful moment. <laughs> it was effective. Yeah, it was an effective moment in the film because it's in the background and you're you're already like you telegraph like, OK, this is a site of danger and it is abrupt. Like she well, is on the strike. I feel like she turned into a rope. It's the movie <laughs> using just the medium of film effectively. Like it's clever staging and directing and like the timing all works in a movie that's way too prone to being like. Okay, not sure we needed all 25 of these, these seconds of a car going down a dirt road. But you do you, movie. I mean, we the cow guy. I love the cow guy. Oh, no, I love the cow guy. It's the very long, slow drive to the cow guy in real time. I'm like, we could have cut 10, 12 seconds off this. Well, we'll talk about the scene where they get to the cow guy in a minute. Yeah, so they're both dealing with this stuff respectively we learned that fred the dad had another child who is diana with her mom claudia uh, who we will then find out committed suicide because she'd been left by by fred with no uh no support whatsoever no means to contact him or anything and yeah diana had grown up on her own which the victimhood from frank in this fucking scene like i abandoned my secret family for you so really, this is kind of your fault. Oh my God. Um, the, like, he, I fucking hate Frank. Frank is the big, Frank wins douchebag of the year. <laughs> well, I, I have a note here. This is when is when I was still trying to figure out what the curse like parameters were still. And it was, uh, if the affair is what cursed them, it's a wonder anyone is left anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I, so this is the scene where we get Tessie finally having had enough of Fred's shit. Yeah. He packs her bag and leaves, just walks out in the middle of the night. And everybody else is like, Mom, come back. Where are you going? He's like, Wait. I guess I'm going to go live with your uncle. For that, we did have a scene with Diana talking to a magical guy, Dante. Yeah. Dante, oh. the, the hermit, who is there to Yikes. explain the whole idea of the curse to her. He gives us our backstory, our exposition, and our MacGuffins. He's a very handy character. Yeah. And he comes up, he's like, I have a solution that I came up with. Not making the like, bones about, like, yeah, I made this up. He's like, end the curse. Uh, you guys got to destroy all these vestments from the wedding. So you got to burn all this stuff that's, you know, replacing people. And also, something has to be given to the person who's, you know, been... Heads have taken from them in this relationship, and somebody has to make a sacrifice. And everybody is just kind of okay with that because it's it's incredibly unclear what they are supposed to do about this. But everybody's like, "All right, I guess we'll go do that then." 
I like uh, how this guy is equally prepared if it's the case of a family member died within the year of the wedding. And he's like, I need a photograph of the person in the coffin. I'm like, man, it's a good thing funeral selfies are in vogue. <laughs> I mean, it was 2006, but, you know, some things never change. They have flip phones. They could they could do that. That's very true. Yeah. They have no phones in this movie. That's true. Nobody can call anybody in this movie because this movie could be very easily resolved by a few phone calls <laughs> well there's the problem is there's i think dale and sandy have a phone but they're out of service like there's a couple times where they're like oh yeah we're, we have no service we don't know where we are we need to ask somebody but um one of the things that dante says is that you know that the curse is over when the body doesn't disappear yep and and so now we're back to sandy's mom piecing out yeah sandy's mom pieces out and uh, we we see, you know, all the telltale signs. There's windy, windy dead flowers and all that blowing around after her. And uh, they get in an argument and she is going to peace out and almost gets hit by a drunk driver who swerves at the last minute. And she decides to yell at this drunk driver about almost hitting her. During which time, the piece of construction that he did hit falls and it looks like this step really hits this actress in this scene i don't know right? if it was foam yeah. or what but it looked like she really got hit by some construction yeah and some scaffolding falls on her and there's some like serious bricks that come down it's probably it's probably foam did they have foam cinder blocks they're just like we got cinder blocks let's hope they don't fall on you well so they fall around you there was a uh a good like usage of forced perspective in that shot too it's so. uh I like that, though. There was a very good effect, though, the scaffolding falling down on her. Yeah. It, it was this is one of the more... 75% of a Final Destination. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Semi-Final Destination? Yeah. Semi-Final Destination. There you go. Yeah. So she, of course, disappears under that. And Fred and Dale try to find the body. And all they find is Sandy's cord. And Sandy and Dale are like, man, we got to go fix this. Come on, Fred. And Fred's like. I got to stay home in case your mom comes back, guys. And they're like, you saw cinder blocks fall on her face and you saw her body disappear. Like, what aren't you understanding about this? We've just been over this whole deal. To be fair, her body fucking disappeared. Like, there's a pretty big, like, denial well there that he can focus on. She she ain't just going to come home, though. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I almost thought that the the people would just, like, come back to life. They don't. They're not unturned into wedding shit or whatever, like. There's no beauty in the beast ending. Yeah. <laughs> no, the curse is over when people just stop disappearing. So the only way to know for sure that the curse has stopped is somebody has to die first and then just not disappear. Because if nobody dies, then you don't know. Yeah, and I do only when corpses start appearing are you in the clear. That's, yeah, that's a pretty uh, self-explanatory bit of process there. Oofa doofa. Uh, yeah, so Sandy and Dale are still trying to track down where Diana is. They're driving off through the countryside. They meet a nice man with a cow that's like, oh, yeah, that's like four villages down. You got to keep going. And he gives directions. Great. Which is Dale's like, how far is it? He's like, well, with your car, it's probably about two hours. For a caballero like me, it's probably five days. <laughs> like, all right. I want to believe that 
is just an actual man in his actual buffalo. <laughs> and he fucking improv that line. Like, it's a script. <laughs> two hours, like, two-hour drive. And then he's like, but fucking let me give you some, let me add some context. Like, I know the real skivvy. What's up with, like, that I mean. Amazing. And they're like, fuck, yeah, we got to keep this buffalo line in there. <laughs> That would they be. in your fucking car. That's all I can say. It's gonna take a long time to get there otherwise. Yeah, I was like, are you guys gonna offer him a ride? Or he just yeah. like I kind of thought it would be great if they did a whole like Harry and the Hendersons and like just put the cow on the top of the car. If this was a Pixar movie, that's what that's what would have happened. But um, <laughs> I don't think Pixar is gonna remake this one, guys. It's just Pixar do remakes. <laughs> no, it's not the- remakes of. Remakes of horror movies. I was, I was. Is that one of them? Is that one of their little side projects? I was trying to obliquely land my Top Gun plane into commentary about how Disney and Pixar Babadook's gonna be fucking wild. Like the the Disney, at least maybe not Pixar, but it is the 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 Disney animations half assed attempts to represent like. No, Disney won't let Pixar's Babadook be bisexual though. Oh yeah, fucking Disney. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. We're coming from DreamWorks. Yeah, you just uh, ran your van into my top gun plane. I believe uh, it's called Baba Do. Baba Do. <laughs> oh, that's you such know, a good name for a sequel. France is odd with that. Like Baba Do. No, somebody has to make it. That's that name exists. That's such a good. That's the perfect name for a sequel. Holy fucking shit! Not uh, Baba Do. Sing. Baba Deuce. That sounds like yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I could see the process in your face. There. Uh, I got hold on, guys. Can we take a break? I gotta, I gotta take a Baba Deuce. <laughs> as long as the Baba Dog isn't involved. Oh, is this day in the podcast? I don't know. I don't make those decisions. I mean, the Baba Dog conversation was in the original Baba Duke episode. So Baba Dong. That was a lot for me to edit, okay? I'm pretty sure there was a point in that podcast where I just gave up. No, that was the that podcast we recorded on election night. And so yeah, everybody was I, like, I still don't know quite know what we were thinking with that one. Listen. No, it was the day after election night. And we were sure that things were going to be resolved by then. But they were not. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. True. Oh, yeah, that's what yeah. happened. That would have been painful. I can only imagine what y'all were going through. Well, I, I don't know if the Babadong is painful, but it looks painful. God, um, okay. I'm sorry. So, so I don't know if there are no motels in the Philippines, but they stop at a very nice resort to just stay for the night before they can go find her sister. Yeah. Like, I don't know if this resort paid to be in this movie or what, but like, they just stop at a really nice, like vacation resort for the night. And Diana or uh, Sandy straight up leaves her key in the room to go do something, leaving Dale behind. Dale gets to be the uh, the hot chick in the shower in this movie. <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah. And I was a little uncomfortable with the flower girl uh, watching him in the shower. <laughs> it was like, this appears to be a child of some sort, a ghostly child, sure, but just watching him in the shower. He goes wandering around in his towel for a while it, through the potpourri and... <laughs> Yeah, he looks down the one time that they couldn't have wind blowing the potpourri in, so he just looks down and his bathwater is just full of potpourri. Which I do appreciate that. He's like, this is weird and I'm freaked out. 
but not so freaked out that I'm going to stop washing the shampoo out of my hair. I mean, you don't want to, like, run around from a ghost with shampoo with your hair. He's like, I don't like these leaves in my shower, but I'm still going to finish up. Yeah. Take my time toweling off. There's also a part of the scene where he opens the window and sees the hot tub outside and shares a logging moment with the hot tub because they're not actually here for their uh, honeymoon. They're here on, on business, but that doesn't mean he can't look respectfully at the hot tub. You know? <laughs> she finally gets in after getting the manager to open the room and uh, just finds that her husband has become a candle, which is much more, much more, uh, don't you just hate when you go on your honeymoon what happens to- and your spouse becomes a candle? Yeah, it's much, honestly, it's better than what happens to Diana and Grace, which uh, Diana and her cousin Grace are walking home past a busy bar and they walk past some bushes and then the ghost just straight up yanks Grace into the bushes <laughs> and Diana tries to pull her back out, at which point Grace's dead mom shows up to smack her off and, uh, then she just goes into the bushes and is gone. And yeah. all the people at the bar were like, whoa, what happened to you? You had another person with you. Now you're next to the next to us in the woods and crying. That's weird. And apparently they take her to the police station. The spa people take Sandy to the police station. And we're given a scene where like, it's not entirely clear if they're in the same police station or they're just in similar police stations, at different points. But then the flower girl shows up for both of them and they both run outside. And Sandy proceeds to hit her unknown half-sister with a car. What a her great way to be. pregnant half-sister with a car. I thought that was a really good touch. Like, the fact that they didn't just, like, see each other in passing, like, straight up almost ran her over. I wondered how much this movie would push the dramatic irony of these two being on the way to see each other. And just like, I'm like, man, are they going to pass each other? Like, uh, are we going to get a lot of just like, how many, how many mishaps are we going to get until they realize they're the sister they're each looking for? Right. But then fucking Diana fucking figures it out first and is like, I don't trust Sandy. Yeah. I don't trust what's going on. I'm going to hide this shit. Good on Diana, honestly. Like, I mean, she's used to be poor and wily. She's like, um, I don't know what's up with this lady. Obviously, my, obviously, our mutual dad was a scumbag. So, it's probably all scumbag family, honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's Sandy is of the family that Fred left Diana's family for. Yeah. I got that grammatically. Okay, done it. I do want to mention before we get too much further that with the Dale death scene and the, uh, the, like, the ring-esque introduction of the flower girl into that scene, he looks into the window and the window is actually the window to Helen's house, which is a really cool effect. And it does a... It does this weird zoom pan tilt where yeah. like it seems like the house is getting closer and the, you know, the flower girl crawls from the window of Helen's house into the window of the resort. And yeah, that's, that's the coolest that the flower girl is, even though this is like a non-death death scene where, you know, she just waves a candle at him and then we see the candle and nobody else there. Up until that aside from this movie giving me no satisfaction of gory demises aside from again a pretty sweet bus hit that whole scene where dale gets taken out is really creepy and atmospheric and i think probably one of the best directed moments of the film yeah and the the part where the shadow where grace and diana are walking along and they see the just disembodied shadow of the ghost girl 
and then it turns into the potpourri. That was a cool effect. That was dope. Yeah. That's really cool because you really get the impression of like the shadow on the ground next to them. And then, yeah, it just disappears into potpourri. And then that's where Grace gets snatched into the woods. Diana's in Sandy's car and Sandy's like, do you know a Diana? And Diana's like, maybe. Who's asking? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, she's trying to play like she's not Diana until... The ghost shows up in the car and both of them freak out. And she's like, wait, you saw the ghost too. You're Diana, aren't you? Diana's like, shit, you got me. I am your long lost sister. They, they wander into this festival that they've been sort of referring to throughout the whole thing in which we meet these, uh, I think they call them the, the followers of St. John. Yeah. Does anybody know more about this than I do? Because I look, I don't know anything about any of the saints, but I assume he was the saint of like foliage, <laughs> landscaping. There's more than one. The saint of landscaping. There's more oh, than one. Saint John. There's a few of them. Is he the saint of college basketball? Saint John the Baptist. The religious festival is celebrated by the locals and devotees to pay homage to Saint John the Baptist by wearing costumes pattern from his attire devotees soak themselves in mud and cover their body with dried banana leaves and visit houses or ask people for alms in the forms of candles or money to buy candles which is then offered to saint john the baptist it's a real festival every 24th day of june uh it's held that's really cool i do appreciate this movie for just giving me some a window into and teaching me a ignorant dumbass american a little bit about their culture and world yeah for sure i thought this was just some festival uh, and but it actually was a real festival because we they do i know that they do that a lot but i'm, I'm kind of surprised now because i opened up the wiki while we were doing this I'm like okay like that's interesting the more you know yeah i am thanks for looking that up because like i didn't know it was a specific philippines thing that's really cool like it's interesting also to see the this interpretation to see the like because you have catholic symbols and you have a lot of the saints and everything but the interpretation is different and that's interesting they end up diana and uh, sandy end up going to dante which is the hermit and he gives them the solution that he came up with and he's also dressed up and very like but it's very much shadowed in the scene and he asks for the items and they start burning the items, which I guess they've decided that the items aren't going to turn back into anybody because they burnt the shit out of them. And the last thing they have are the coins, which they, they throw one set of coins on the fire. And then this girl straight up walks through Dante's chest, seemingly killing him. It's hard to tell exactly what happens here, but they, they grab the assume coins he has fire a- and fuck up. I'm going to assume he had a pacemaker and she just kitty pried that shit. <laughs> yeah. Or just like stole some of his life force. Like he was dying when they left, but she was like quartering him. He got the, he had a fatal case of the heebie jeebies. I mean, if a ghost girl walked through me like that. Also, I'm not exactly sure what these coins are made of because they're, they seem very easily smashed. A silver. Later on. 
I mean, okay. it's a, they're, I they're silver coins. So I mean, is silver very smashable? I don't know. I've never smashed silver. It depends on what it's made out of. But I mean, the box that they were in was being smashed later. The Dante does give a cool little overview of the significance of these items, which I think is really cool. Which I don't know if that is also like if that's specific to the Filipino. Felt real. I mean, it does. I know that. I'm just guessing that. Yeah. Some of that is like the 13 coins and all that kind of stuff. Like. I know that there's some of that, but I don't think it's like pan Catholic. Yeah. Um, Entirely sure. Yeah. These things are. I mean, this isn't just, this is not just Christianity. This is a foreign country's version of like take on Christianity. So I'm so far out of my depth. Like, I'm, my Judaism has made me so unprepared to know any or understand any aspects of it. It's overrated. I don't know. What the deal is with the saints? I guess there's coins and cords. Is that a thing in usual Christian wedding, Catholic weddings? Or is that something specific to Filipino wedding traditions? I don't know. I'm I'm just dumb. The cord is not, I don't think it's specifically Filipino, but I think that it's not like not everybody does the cord thing. I don't know if the veil has that particular, like the veil is supposed to be the, symbol of the responsibility of the groom to protect the bride. I don't know if that's always the the purpose of the veil, because I think a lot of it has to do with... All I remember is in the Torah, the veil is used to make one dude marry the sister of the girl he actually wants to marry, so he's got to work an extra seven years so he can marry the second sister. I mean... And he's like, ah, I'm marrying the sister I want, and then, like, he looked at the veil and it's like, ah, you tricked me. Darn you, veil. Gotta work for another seven years. Makes the, the bad prices right noise. The blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my very accurate and super nuanced Torah study. It's the Torah Corner. The Torah Corner with Ben. <laughs> it's not accurate, but it's entertaining. So, uh, apparently, no, it's good. I think this is a bit we need to incorporate more. Um, they, they do some mythologizing on the fly in this part because yeah. they're like, I guess we have to go back to where it all started. That's the church over there where I got married. And we have to go to where uh, the guy ringing the bell died at the beginning of all this. That's so vague. Because, like, is it at it? Is it the first wedding? Is it, okay, it'd be that wedding. Or does it start when you're... Fucking shithead dad abandoned the secret family. Yeah. Or like. How it began. That's vague. Do we need to go back to Dubai where you met Dale? Gotta go back in time. That's way (laughs) too vague. I mean, I guess they pick right or they don't. It doesn't matter. So long as someone throws a ghost out a window. Yeah. Yeah, So they they get up there and uh, Diana is having. And that. My complaints about you have to go to where it all began. That's not specific to this movie. That's an instruction that shows up in a bunch of things. And every time it shows up, I'm like, that's way too vague. Yeah, I mean, if someone told me, go back to where it all began, I'm like, God. The fairly present? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if it's where we, we met, I don't think that IHOP is still open anymore. <laughs> I think that's a nail salon now. It's, it have to be like geopositional 
Yeah, like, do I go to the next one or do we go to the IHOP that opened like downtown? Yeah, it's all very subjective. It's fine as long as you play Coldplay and just going, I'm going back to the stairway. <laughs> uh, thank you for indulging me in this scenario where I have a feud with somebody I met at an IHOP. This is, but these are important. Like these, this is important considerations when confronting the demon lawyer. Cause you just don't want to end up in demon arbitration. That's all yeah, I know. For real. Yeah, so they, so she has the, I guess it's called an, an Arhe, the little box with the coins in it from Diane's and Diane is having pregnancy fear related falling against a wall. So she's like, you have to destroy it. Sandy. And so Sandy takes a fucking hammer and just goes to town on that thing. And the ghost walks up the stairs anyway. They're like, oh, I guess that didn't work. And the ghost like holds out her Arhe and she's like, oh, she's got mine. That's the problem. And slowly starts walking towards Diana and gesturing towards her stomach, you know, preparing to to kill her. And Sandy has a a well-timed oh. flashback of somebody saying, something has to be, someone has to sacrifice something. And uh, full-on football tackles this this ghost out a window. First, first evidence we've seen that anybody can physically impact this ghost in any way. I love this scene of just her just dragging a ghost out a window. I laugh so hard. I'm like, this is fantastic. Was this always an option? Like, the whole time with Dale, I'm like, fucking hit it. Just try, have you tried punching the ghost? Fucking throw a lamp at the ghost. At least try to throw something at it. Come on. Someone has to make a conscious sacrifice. I, I did think it was very nice of this ghost to keep delivering the MacGuffins they need to defeat her. Yeah, that was a nice thing that was developed, like, built in to the, uh, to the whole process. I will say real quick technicality here. The portent of the death of Diana did not actually indicate her death, but the death of her child. Unborn child. Yeah. Yeah, Her unborn child. She was just sort of faded in the picture, which the monk was like, oh, I've seen this before. (laughs) Um, Once again, way too many fucking weddings are cursed. The rules for this curse are way too fucking broad. It's like, okay, yeah, this is a, co- this is a classic uh, child to curse. To which Helen is demonized for having a wedding three months after her father died. The characters all but flat out say that she had it coming. So, yeah. Justice, hashtag justice for Helen. For real. Has, hashtag justice for a lot of people. Bell ringer and the belfry. Jesus. This is a country where John Constantine should be part of the wedding industry. <laughs> Well, this starts in the sequence at the end of the movie in which I spent a lot of time going, wait, what? Because, like, they find Sandy dead on the pavement, and then I guess she stays there for the night and until the morning, at which point the dad shows up and is like, oh, my God, my daughter. But her body's there. You guys, hey, guy, we got to move this dead body now. It's been here all night, but, like, now it needs to go. We can't have you crying on it. And Diana like hears her crying over Sandy and is like, you know what? Fuck this guy. <laughs> but then doubles back and presents herself to him. And he's like, you're my daughter that I abandoned. Well, I guess since I don't have one anymore, that I should be nice to you. And here's her stuff. <laughs> he's straight up like, well, my other daughter's dead. So I guess I'm just going to call that a mulligan. I do over daughter stuff lying around. Uh, just have just live in her bedroom. It's fine. 
That is so fucking weird. Next to that's completely unrelated ghost house. <laughs> Which they never do anything about. Helen's ghost is still just chilling in that house. I mean, they cleaned it up some, so no one has at least a nice house to live in, I guess. But at this point, I was starting to get angry at the movie because I was like, surely this man, this trash man who just, the whole man ought to be thrown away. He's going to be the one that makes it through this. And he's just like, yeah, everything's going to be great now, me and my daughter. At which point he goes and sits down in his room and looks at. Look sadly at pictures of at his now dead wife and daughter. At which point the rocking chair behind him just starts rocking like a motherfucker. That thing is going hard. <laughs> it takes him a while to notice too. It's like, hi, there is, there's definitely a ghost here. You yeah. might want to check that out. Yeah. I watched the whole time before the rocking was happening. Where I was like, oh, please kill this guy. Please kill this guy. Please kill yeah. this guy. It's a, it's and a, then finally that payoff. Yeah, it's a cathartic relief when that rocking chair starts going. Yeah. <laughs> like, it feels like an injustice for this guy to make it out of the movie. So when that chair starts rocking, you're like, oh, thank God. It's okay, everyone. They're doing the candy man. Yeah, but in, this, in the scene where he's, like, picking Diana up from this uh, murder scene, or excuse me, sacrifice scene, I don't know. He's like, you know, the reconciliation scene, there's one guy, and I don't know if that was, like, Irwin or whatever. But it was this one guy in the follower St. John outfit that was just kind of there. And he's like, yeah, yeah, good. Good for you. Like, who the fuck was that? Like, he was just ready for the slow clap. He was like, are we, are we doing this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he turns around and his dead wife is there and rocking in the chair. And then his uh, dead Sandy swoops in to, I guess, torture him. We just hear his screams as the movie uh, pans out across a bunch of houses it closes zooming slowly across houses as we hear uh fred scream i mean that's how the movie started we pan right there yeah yeah and then the movie oh, ended close the same yeah, way yeah that our bookends back to the star <laughs> cold play does not play but then the credits have like a cool cylinder scroll which is yeah like an action movie the yeah. green. oh my goodness yeah it's very exciting different credits. techniques all all throughout yeah so guys do we feel like uh sukhub is a feminist film there's a certain element of when talking about another nation and one and the culture that i'm not a part of and know oh so little about that like i don't know by what standards feminism might be judged by by i guess our standards i'm like I don't know. That sure was just very straight and wedding culture based. This is a very straight movie. As this is, it's very no, it's no indication queer. of queerness whatsoever. The yeah, I I mean, you have the protagonists. I, I like as women. Betsy, the mom who's just like, I'm sick of your shit, and I'm getting the fuck out. Yeah, she's she was awesome, and she died. Yeah, that ghost girl, yeah. just you know. She's I think it. like the the women are definitely the more well rounded characters in this for sure. I think like it, it doesn't do anything particularly feminist, but we do have you know these capable female characters who are not, for the most part, not discounted by the men in this story. You know, Dale starts out kind of like, "Can we just have a nice wedding day?" I mean, I know some weird stuff has happened, but like, can this not be terrible? And then he's like, "Oh, it's terrible. Never mind. Let's fix it." 
there is a lot of discourse between women in terms of the like these matriarchs of the families like the and also the more capable women of these families that we see are depicted as the people in charge of the family like tessie is definitely a lot more capable than fred i don't know if we ever see dale's dad i don't know if we ever see i don't know if if brian had a dad at that point but we do get a lot of interaction between these brides and their mother-in-laws as well as their i mean those who have mothers you know their own mothers and all of these older women are depicted as particularly capable and not to like not true like except for maybe brian's mom but she's that's the thing about brian's mom is that she's like look if we can't find his body you can't have the house but you can have this apartment it's a shitty move, but it's not like a totally abandonment move, you know? It, it is pretty wild. It's like, look, when there was a corpse, we were fine letting you stay, but we go by habeas corpus in this household. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it. No corpus, no habeas. That's that's fair. I'm pretty sure this Latin holds up. I mean, considering all of the weirdness that's going on and the lack of bodies and stuff, there's certainly some legal issues that may be coming up. For for Diana, if we're gonna really like read it like that, I really feel like the like Brian's mom is awful because Diana is clearly grieving and having a hard time herself, and the mom is like, "What did you do with his body?" It's like, why would she have done something with his body? Like, she's just she's in the same spot as you. Like, what what is this? Why why are you blaming her for his body being missing? Like, that girl is clearly not strong enough to like drag off this man's body somewhere. Well, she the mom never saw the body. Yeah, he just comes in and sees a fucking wedding cord. But there were plenty of people there, like the did. Yeah, it's not as if she was sitting with the body and was like, "Mom, come check it out. Your husband, your your son died," and then there was no body. I think a lot of those situations were pretty much in flux because, again, like if you really look into the sequence of events from like a procedural standpoint. It is a lot of complicated shit that doesn't hold up, which is why I think we should have our Filipino X-Files. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I want that shit. Would be great. I would love yeah. that. That'd be dope as hell. Yeah. Which hell is not, yeah. It's not like, it's not FBI or anything, but it's Listen, like. We can workshop this, but I mean, we got the, we got the files. We have the Philippines. It can just be like part of the X-Files. It could be like the Manila envelope, you know? That's. I, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I I was thinking when I said Manila. Sorry, all the time it's there. Earlier, I was like, yeah, there's. I could go there, so thank you, Jeremy, for going there instead. Thank you for making that sacrifice. I do what I must because I can. Yeah, your cupcake curse is lifted. Finally, <laughs> but yeah, the I mean, the movie, like in terms of feminism, the I guess I think we were talking about that. Yeah, um, the movie c- certainly could have been less feminist i mean i'm glad that dad got it agreed but yeah that that dad had to die that had to die that dad could not have made it through the end of the movie yeah like unscathed it takes a while to develop but definitely towards the end the message is by cheating on your wife with and then abandoning your child you have brought ruin on this family (laughs) yeah yeah and now they he gets visited by different ghosts so presumably he is now invited a new, completely unrelated curse upon him. It's just uh, it's still related to the first curse. It's cousins, cousin curse. Yeah, yeah. Just curse on curse on curse. 
I mean, if you have a wedding curse, then you can have like, I mean, there's situations that are definitely more deserving of curses than getting married the same year that your brother did. If you give a mouse a cursed cookie, he's going to want some haunted milk. Yeah, exactly. I guess I'm curious. How did the uh, class stuff land for you guys? Did you have any thoughts on that? Or? I was looking for that. And then it, it seemed to just like really blend together in different respects. Like where when I was trying to make those distinctions. But then again, I guess also uh, as we've been talking earlier, you know, just that confusion in regards to transitions which then, then just threw me off because I thought we were here and then now it's different. I would have appreciated if that would have came off better, uh, but it was just too confusing for me personally. I think there's definitely some city versus one watch, stuff you know? there. Yeah. Yeah, but the house, the house that Diana and Brian have seems like an ideal place for them. It is, it is very cherished by them and it's not opulent like Dale's family's house, but obviously Brian's family has some money because they have that house and they have the city apartment so i feel like if there's anything any sort of class strata indicated it's with interestingly it's it's with both families grooms or how should i say this it's with in in both couples the grooms family is the wealthy family although sandy's family is depicted as comfortable Maybe lacking a bit because of the dad. Um, so mm. comfortable but dysfunctional. And then I can't tell here nor there how the uh, the situation in Dale's family is. They seem fine. The mother in law nice again. Big house. Yeah, she's like cool and chill, and and she doesn't. I was expecting actually her to bring up curses more readily than Sandy's birth mother because. Usually, like in a situation like that, it's about standards. And when you have wedding drama, there's uh, a lot of concern about standards to the other family. Like, how am I going to re- represent myself for the other family? But in this case, it was all within, the, all between Sandy and her mom. Sandy's mom is thoroughly unconcerned about the fact that, like, the house next door is cursed. Yeah. <laughs> Zero fucks. Don't worry it. about that. Don't worry about that. They did some stupid shit and they died. Because of oh, the you were, we were talking uh, Filipino X Files. I just remembered Tresse by Budget Chan, who's a friend of mine, and Haji Balisimo. Uh, it was a graphic novel in the Philippines. Now it's a series on Netflix, an animated series on Netflix. But uh, yeah, it, it follows Alexandra Tresse, who's like this. I don't know if she's a detective, but she goes kills like you know these supernatural threats in the Philippines and shit. It's really good. Uh, animated <laughs> series on Netflix. Highly recommend. T R E S E Tresse. Really good. Yeah. There you go. Get some Filipino X-Files through Trese. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that actually leads nicely into uh, what's next because we, we've talked already about, I think we would recommend this. It's not a particularly great movie, but it is fun. Yeah, um, it's got some good elements. Actually, wh- hmm. while we were talking and you guys were breaking this down uh, amazingly, like I, I felt bad that I didn't have enough notes. <laughs> but it made me think like the way it was done, I don't think it was a very expensive movie to make. But like, like, I think I could make this and then actually amp it up. Give Ben the gore because I think gore would have taken him to another level that I would love to have. Yeah. You know, that's fun. I'm, I'm a gore guy too. And so just, yeah, I would love to see it redone. It was good in concept, but I think there's elements that could be improved definitely and, and making an even better, stronger film. Totally agree. I think that climactic scene where they're running through the like festival could be really scary. Because you have all the guys dressed up, you have everybody sort of milling about. If like they're just getting like shots, oh, glimpses like of the flower girl yeah. out there, 
then like on that yeah they could have done so much with that yeah yeah and it's just sort of like a set piece that they sort of run by as they're doing it but yeah i i guess that leads us to ask what uh what would we recommend to people who haven't seen this obviously i think tresse is one did you have any other thing that you wanted to recommend well definitely tresse again like like you all but kind of sad for me as the the filipino guy here in the room that i'm hungry to learn more about my people and my culture and what they put together that's why i started show pal show which is my own podcast promo po- i hope you don't mind me plugging oh. but show pal show that's my uh philippine show where uh, myself and uh i call them the amazing ates which means sister in tagalog and i go by kuya p as a note to my culture because kuya means big brother kind of like the protector of the the, the eldest brother who takes care of everything so uh that's why i go by kuya p but uh my whole mission with with that is to highlight and show love and support to Filipinos in various fields of industry and learn uh, with the Ates who are also Philams that grew up here in America and mix like myself that want to know more about our culture. And so we bring on different people of that ilk to teach us and, and educate us. So uh, I'm learning. And, and again, with Jeremy pulling this film out, this made me aware of this and I'm like, okay, I, I love it. So I, I wish I could give more recommendations, but definitely Tresse by Budget Tan. I, I did an interview with him on the show. Uh, him along with Kajo Balismo did Tresse in the Philippines. It sold well, so much so that it now has a Netflix series. And I think they're getting a season two. And uh, so shout out to uh, Budget and Kajo. But uh, no, I'm learning. And as, as I learned, if you want to follow me at the Legend Kuya P on Twitter, TikTok and IG, uh, I'll drop those recommendations um, to you. And I would love to come back and watch some of those uh, other projects as I learn them as well to, to deep dive with you guys. This was a lot of fun. Hell yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm actually looking at the I, uh, opening scene of Tresse right now. Oh, sweet. Um, and it looks really <laughs> rad. So check that out. I think my recommendation is if you want to see another movie involving Long Lost Sisters, I'm going to recommend 1998's The Parent Trap starring Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But also the original is great too. Now. Yes. Yes. All yes. versions of the parent trap. <laughs> yeah. At least, the, at least the original and the Lindsay Lohan one. I don't know if there are off-brand ones out there somewhere. But uh, yeah, the original is fantastic. Emily, what did you have to recommend? Well, I mentioned the X-Files. It's just very similarly in the same wheelhouse of this movie. Now, I haven't seen these movies, but they were recommended to me on Amazon. And there's a shit ton of them. And... There's got to be some gems in there, just in terms of probability. So check out Shake, Rattle, and Roll, the anthology series. It's on Netflix, or it's not on Netflix. It's on uh, Amazon. It might be on Netflix. I don't know. But each of those movies, there's at least 15 of them. And each of them has three little shorts in it. So there is a series of anthology movies. And I I think they're mostly, if not all, in Tagalog. So, you know, arm your subtitles if you don't speak Tagalog, if you do. Uh, so is it awesome. shake, rattle, and roll like like music? Shake, rattle, and yeah, yeah, I mean that's how it's spelled. But I mean, if you watch the or you look at those title cards, and you can definitely see that this is a horror situation. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing a search right now. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, I see it. I see it. Ah. Okay. I'm in. I will look yeah. into this. Yeah, and, and let us know because if you get into it before I do, because my curiosity is peaked. So you know, okay. listeners, friends. I'm hungry for a real Filipino horror film. Yeah. To me, this was too much TV movie. Like, I want a real, yeah. 
And in anthologies, you sometimes get like some yeah. really cool stuff because it's so, something maybe they couldn't sell it as a whole movie, but they got a chance to do it. Sure. Um, I want to share real quick. I'm going to put it in the chat if you guys want to check it out. When I was doing a search on Sakob, I found there's this wedding cake that somebody made in honor of the film. And if you guys pull it up or I don't know if you want to put it, Alicia, in the edit or whatever, it's a wedding cake you can make, but it, it's filled with strawberry jam. So it looks like blood coming out. It looks really cool. I wow. might have one of my wedding cake or cake friends make that because that looks for like like a, hollow, a Halloween party. That would look dope. You know, you cut into this cake, but then it gushes strawberry jam, but it looks but it's blood. So. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're if you're goth and you want to get married. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the move. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you, you guys see it. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah it's cool. good. Get some uh, chocolate spider webs up in there. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I wanted to recommend, I mean, while I was looking for this movie, I hit several others, like uh, Chris Aquino, who is in this film, also did a pair of other ones that are very well reviewed that are called Feng Shui. There's Feng Shui and Feng Shui 2, um, which are both about a creepy cursed mirror. And they both look, uh, they both look good of similar quality to this, maybe a little better, but they didn't make as much money as this one did, which is why, you know, check this one out so it's definitely worth checking out there's there's a whole sort of subculture of horror movies in the philippines that have been popping up i mean it's still a fairly young industry i mean feng shui is pretty early it's 2004 uh it's the same director as well as uh you know chris aquino so it's definitely worth checking out i mean it's definitely related to this one if you want to see it and uh there's you know you can look up best filipino horror movies and you'll get a whole uh whole array of Stuff that looks good. So there's a lot more that I want to check out in addition to this one. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, to wrap up here, uh, Kuyu, did you want to let people know where they can find more about you and you know, your podcast and everything online? Awesome. I appreciate that. Um, you can follow me at the legend Kuya P on Twitter, TikTok, and IG, and uh, Show Pal Show. That's on everything as well Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, S H O P O W S H O. Uh, that's where, uh, again, I talk about Filipinos in various fields of industry, highlighting their stories and the ups and downs, and then also talk about the various projects they have um, going on. And uh, as well as NRW, Nerds Rule the World, uh, that's my big daddy pop culture site where I'm talking with everybody, reviewing everything, and and also hosting a whole bunch of other sub-podcasts within that. Uh, Something or Nothing, my show pal show, The Blur Dad Podcast, uh, You're So Cool with Rob Medina, and Kuya in the Kid uh, a lot of oh, and we have a new uh, show called uh, "From Tales from Behind the Comics Counter," where a bunch of comic retailers uh, share their stories of uh, the comic There's shop. So that's going to be a fun one. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I I definitely got stories from my time working at a comic shop. <laughs> so a lot of exciting stuff uh, over at the NRW uh, YouTube.com New Release Wednesday, the NRW, and at New Release Wednesday on Twitter and IG. And thank you guys so much. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Thank you so I'm much for coming on. I'm so glad you had a good time. I'm jealous you got to uh, interview Denzel over there recently. You were talking about <laughs> earlier. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's very been an amazing year so far. A ton of content coming the way, on the way. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as for the rest of us, you guys can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter, Mega underscore Moth on Instagram, and Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at Ben McCollin, and their website at BenConComics.com, where you can pick up all their books including their brand new Immortals Phoenix Rising graphic novel from Great Beginnings, 
in the GLAAD Award-nominated Renegade Rule graphic novel. And finally, for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrum 58 and my website at jeremywhitley.com, uh, where you can check out everything I write. And of course, the podcast is on Patreon at Progressively Horrified. Uh, our website is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm and on Twitter at Pod. And uh, we would love to hear from you there. So come hit us up. Tell us what you thought of the movie. You know, more recommendations are always uh, things we're, we're happy to check out. Speaking of which, we would love to hear from you as far as, you know, rating and reviewing the podcast as well. We'd love to get five stars. It helps us find more listeners as we get, you know, as we rank up there. Thanks again so much, QEP. It's been a pleasure, man. This is a great time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Please have me back. I'd love to check out Shake, Rattle, and Roll, and, and I'll find some other amazing cool projects to, to recommend and i'd love to deep dive with you guys on that oh well, anytime thank you we'd be happy to have you and thanks as always to ben and emily for joining me and thank you to all of you for listening we will see you next week and until next time stay horrified progressively horrified is created by jeremy whitley and produced and edited by alicia whitley this episode featured jeremy ben and emily along with special guest kuya p All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and do not represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. If you like this episode, you can support us on Patreon. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at ProgressivelyHorrified at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.